0: All right. Well, welcome to the Learning Lab here at the Texas School Safety Center. We are going to be talking about cybersecurity, which I will say we've been asked to do. And a lot of people think they know what cybersecurity is, but we're finding out they really don't. And we're going to talk about that a little bit in the context of school safety. So we have two expert guests with us today. We have Karen Fuller with SciFair. And so, Karen, tell us a little bit about what you do, but also how big your district is, because we're going to be uh, talking about various size districts, and so we want to little know a little bit more about the context of, of what you're working in.
1: Okay, so I am the Director of Network Infrastructure and Communications for Cypress Fairbanks ISD. We are sort of west northwest of Houston. Um, we're, in, we're in the Houston area, or Harris County. We've got uh, little and about, um, a little over 118,000 students and about a little over 19,000 staff members. So uh, we're the third largest district in Texas. But okay. um, I've worked with different size school districts throughout my career from uh, little bitty, um, I always say where they play six-man football, all the way through <sighs> the largest district in Texas. So it's um, it's quite an experience to work with those districts and understand their challenges when it comes to cybersecurity, network infrastructure, you know, safety, security, protecting um, all of the the corners and the walls and everything of our district. So um, that's where my background comes from.
0: Awesome. Well, welcome. And Todd, Thank you're you. with TEA. You are the Deputy CISO and Cybersecurity Coordinator. So tell us what you're in charge of.
2: Yeah. So internally at TEA, I deal with some of our internal cybersecurity stuff there uh, with some application development and just various, you know, Aspects of security, incident response. But outward facing, I work with uh, the regions uh, to support them and cybersecurity in the the districts as well. And so I'm a cybersecurity cheerleader. Uh, You know, I try to, you know, inform people and educate. I do a monthly webinar for that. Um, You know, I'm the point of contact with the district cybersecurity coordinators. So anything that they need or comes up in their world, you know, I'm free and open to respond to them and work with them in any way I can. And again, um, yeah, so just outward facing in that aspect. And uh, you know, it's uh, there's a lot of stuff just all over the place.
0: Well, we're going to start already. I'm going to address the big elephant in the room, which is we're going to be talking about a lot of acronyms. So I'm going to just say, I'm going to mark it down. We're going to do one. What is deputy CISO? C I S O. What's the, oh, the first one? CISO
2: is uh, chief information security officer. Okay, there so, we go. There you so go. most organizations have have a, a CISO. Uh, so my boss is the CISO. I'm in her deputy to okay. take a little load off of all the stuff that she has to do.
0: All right. Well, we're going to try to break down cybersecurity so that um, my mom can understand it, <laughs> or myself. Um, and so first off, what is cybersecurity? Because I think. We have a lot of educators out there, or people who are in charge of funding and funding technology and safety and security. And when we talk about cybersecurity, we I think we need to just get a basic understanding of what that is. So, Todd, Karen,
2: uh, it's you know, basically securing your technology. So, you know, infosec is another term that's out there in the in the space. So, information security. Okay. Um, and so it's just like you know, locking down all of your technology, your firewalls, any applications that you have, you know, the, the things that are keeping the people out that shouldn't be in. So cybersecurity is just generally involved with that. And, and, and it transcends you know, even just digital stuff mm-hmm. in the cybersecurity world, even like physical security right. of data centers and buildings and that sort of thing kind of comes into play more and more recently with you know, different things that are happening. But, yeah, it's just anything that's protecting your digital environment
0: but Karen we've also talked before in the past that that is like a lot of our physical security our doors mm-hmm. all these automatic locking systems or all of these um, new softwares that are coming out that are tracking people or hotspots or all of these new things those are also a lot of times needed to be housed on the districts
1: exactly network so really if you have anything Um, I've always said if it connects to electricity, it probably connects to technology. There you go. Because it has something behind the ground, behind the the wall, it's connected to a network. So if you're doing your emergency uh, panic buttons, it's probably connected to one... To your infrastructure to your cabling infrastructure your network infrastructure and you're managing it with a piece of software if you're doing your phones on your campuses those are connected to your network and your network they're dependent upon the network running so all of the emergency response um, systems that we're putting in our district the monitoring the video cameras that are monitoring our network all of that's connected to your switches and your switches are part of our cybersecurity. Of where we come behind and make sure we've got the protection on those switches where we have to update the app, the iOS that runs the, the switches, the OS, all of that's there. So, what used to be just called um, network, you know, if you connected the network, you got to the internet. Right. That was that's the, way it, the way it used to look like. But now, If it plugs into a switch, if it plugs into electricity, if it connects to wireless, um, if you're doing anything that passes zeros and ones over a network type infrastructure, you're affected to cybersecurity affects what we do. And the protection of those devices, the protection of that software can make or break a school district.
0: And so also when we're talking about obviously facilities, we're also talking, like you said, Also, a lot of school districts, especially after the pandemic, are, you know, we used to, that used to be the goal one-to-one devices, Mm -hmm. but now, generally, after the the pandemic, everybody has those devices. So, Mm -hmm. students um, are receiving devices from the schools. Yes. Um, And so, it's also that management of what are we giving them access to Mm -hmm. and what are we limiting
1: exactly so that's all cyber security too um i've often said when i do a one-to-one um presentation on how to manage a one-to-one network that um however de- how many devices you're handing out that's how many hackers you have access to because students are they're curious and right. a lot of times for students it's not done intentional it's just that they're interested in that and especially in this day and time they're used to being able to go out and get access to resources and a lot of times when we give them devices in school districts, we're restricting them. So then they figure out how do I get access to this resource on my school-provided device that I have on my personal device. So, um, again, it's it's everything that we do is, is an awareness and is, and is um, training both for the students, the parents, the staff, everything that we do that whatever we do in this day and time, you're going to touch cybersecurity in some form or fashion, no, um, no matter what you do in a school district or even a business. Todd, what are some of the Texas mandates required to
0: address cybersecurity? Uh,
2: There's not too many. Uh, (laughs) Texas Education Code 11.175 is mostly where they're all housed. And so there's a requirement for school districts to have a cybersecurity plan that protects student data. Uh, There's a requirement for school districts to report uh, breaches of system security. And so the definition of that, the easiest way to explain it, is if student PII is involved in kind of a malicious attack. Mm-hmm. And so, apart from that, um, and then maybe some other reporting requirements, uh, there's there's not much currently. Uh, there's you know there's SIPA, which is a federal. Oh, um, the
0: second one, SIPA.
2: CIPA, Child so Information is- Protection Act, okay. I believe, um, and that's just uh, around internet filtering okay. uh, for the most part, and. And there's no strict requirement unless you're Mm -hmm. getting some maybe E-rate funding. You have to certify that you're doing that. To my understanding, I I don't... If
1: you're you're accepting any type of federal funds from the federal government, you have to um, meet the Children's Internet Protection Act, which is content filtering and filtering of the devices. And you also have to have a a hearing with your school board um, ever so often saying that you're meeting these requirements to continue to receive those federal fundings.
0: Okay, so one of the things you said is you have to have a cybersecurity plan, right? That was the the yes. first one. Where do y'all have? How did? What does that? What does that mean? When we, when he's saying you have to have a plan, what does that actually translate to in your school district?
1: So that translates that we're meeting um, a lot of the cybersecurity standards like NIST and um, there's NIST is, NIST is uh, National
2: Institute <laughs> of you. Standards Technology. There you the go. Way. Okay, I'm
1: trying to remember it's all federal. Of
2: these Framework. Yes. It's
1: okay. a framework that actually NIST is a framework that's even practiced overseas in some form of what you're doing. But what it what the NIST framework says is that you know, there there are five areas that you have to protect, and it gets really detailed of mm-hmm. how you're protecting it. You get scored off of it. But um, where's
0: that plan? That's really oh, what so I want to So our plan like, is, yeah. is, is basically... That, is that housing technology? Yes. Is that housing security? How, where, where, where is in, it?
1: Typically, it's going to sit in your tech, technology services department. Okay. And the plan basically says, these are the things that we're going to do this year. This is what we have in plan for next year. So it's like a true plan, but you're mm-hmm. actually... Based on where you scored in this evaluation, you say, this is my first priority, second priority, all right, next year, this year I'm at a level one, next year I want to be at a level two. Um, You practice um, uh, table talks where you you say, okay, what if this happened to us? How are we going to address it? Those things are all a part of your your cybersecurity plan. So if I'm a new
0: superintendent or a new assistant superintendent, that would be obviously something I would want to know. What is... What's are. my plan? What's my plan? Where, where are is we at? it? Where are we at? And mm-hmm. you mentioned level one, level two. So there's different levels mm-hmm. to find out where we are. And then I'm assuming, does that also show where we can go,
1: where mm-hmm. we need to go? Yes, it does. <clears throat> and... You know, it's like anything that you do, if you do your campus improvement plan, Correct. you know, you know, in your campus improvement dip, plan, yep, you say, okay, next year we want to try to be here. But depending on what's happening, right. you may not get there till the ne- or you may get there earlier, depending on your resources, depending on your test scores, all of that thing. So that's the same thing or that's the same way that a cybersecurity plan should work in a school district. You do your assessments, you look and see where you're at. Uh, you evaluate what you've implemented. You, mm-hmm. you evaluate your scores and you say, can we meet this? What's, what's it going to take for us to meet it? And sometimes funding is an, is something that may be an objective right. that maybe slows you down. And then other times it's just the processes and the procedures that you currently have in place and how do you change it? And anything with what we do, whether you're doing a campus improvement plan or you're doing a safety you know, plan, it all has to do with culture. And how you build your culture around what you're doing and how you're doing it. So, Again, it's another part of culture that we have in our districts that we have to start establishing early. We established our culture about campus improvement. We established our culture about physical safety and security. What is your culture on cybersecurity and protecting all of your digital and your data information that's there?
0: Would you say that that's probably one area where districts are really struggling just because they're already working on that educational piece? And now we're, you know, safety obviously has been a big focus this school year. Mm-hmm. And so when we're looking at, I mean, we still have, you know, employees who are clicking on those emails that we've told them 20 exactly. times not to
1: click on. Yeah. I think um, this is what I've seen uh, in my career is sometimes when we use those big words that are scary. That's when people, oh, my gosh, I can't do this. This is, mm-hmm. And if I do this, then what's it going to, how's it going to affect what we do? So what we need to do for this cybersecurity education or changing that culture is make it more relevant to how it affects them personally because if we can change it and put it in a personal perspective and not really use those scary words use more simple words like okay um how do you how do you manage your your personal accounts how do you manage your bank account how do you manage your electricity account you know what do you do with your driver's license number those kind of things and when you start relating it to them in the terms they understand they begin to understand what cybersecurity means
0: well it's saying we need to have those same levels of security at work. Exactly. Right? It's yes. not just, just like we would lock the door
1: mm-hmm.
0: at, at our home when we leave, we mm-hmm. need to lock the
1: doors at,
0: um, in this building. Yes.
1: And there's a lot, a number of different ways to lock the door. So we start <laughs> describing, true. yeah, we start describing in terms of, okay, if you need to lock this door, this is what you have to do. And you just try to keep it simple. Try mm-hmm. to keep it enough to get People energized and even maybe even excited about it. Who can be excited about cybersecurity? You We're going to get them excited <laughs> by the end of this.
0: Um, before we get into any more details, I want to make sure are there any federal cybersecurity laws? Just so I mean, I know we talked about state, there's kind of few, but are there some federal ones that I'm not
2: r- aware of any other than maybe the CIPA for mm-hmm. E rate that, okay. that is required for anyone to, to follow? You know, there's definitely guidelines and suggestions out there, but I don't think there's any ramifications if you don't follow. But if
1: you talk about FERPA and all of the other laws that we have to mm-hmm. follow federally all of that connects to cybersecurity all of yeah. that's a part of information getting out to where it shouldn't be correct so even though we don't call it a cybersecurity law mm-hmm. or it specifically says cybersecurity all of that if you read that because wording because it's all
0: being housed on exactly. digital all of this information is it's, being housed
1: yeah uh, everything is housed in some type of virtual somewhere you know, right. on can you devices. Tell us where that is, Karen? No. <laughs> okay, I can't either. <laughs> it's, it, All right. it's in like the Amazon air floating around. <laughs> yeah. Amazon or somewhere. Can you,
0: just because I think we will have some people here who don't know or aren't familiar with e-rate, can you mm-hmm. just synopsize e-rate in two quick sentences? I can. Okay.
1: E-rate is a, a federally funded program. It's not a grant. You have to apply, and it's based on your free and reduced lunch rates in your school district.
0: And correct me if I'm wrong, you have to apply every year. Huh?
1: It's That's every year.
0: Yeah. Okay. What do you think... Karen, has been in your, what do you think is the biggest challenge? And then, Todd, you know, you serve the entire state. What are you seeing as the biggest successes as well?
1: So I think for us, um, you always say funding. I mean, funding is always going to be a challenge in any program that sure. we do. But I think it's more of awareness. It's more of um, educating the end users, educating your staff, educating your um your communities, educating your students. So, um, when you
0: say educating staff, what does that actually
1: mean for your district? What do you all do? So, for our district, um, we actually... So, SciFair is one of six districts, I think, in Texas that are... Um, we have what's called the TLE certification. So, it's a Trusted Learning Environment certification that okay. um, Cosin has. And um, there's... I forget how many across the nation, but it's very few across the nation. And part of that program requires us to make um, cybersecurity and data protection um, an awareness across our whole district. Mm-hmm. So it's not just technology doing, it's curriculum and instruction. Okay. It's uh, finance. So it's, it's multiple facilities. stakeholders. It's everybody in there. And there are requirements that we have to meet to get that seal every two years. And we just uh, received our third application, which means our sixth year of the seal. Uh, with that there's a lot of education and a lot of best practices that we promote throughout the year with this is how you, this is what a phishing email is. We do phishing email campaigns and we see who clicks on that email mm-hmm. and oops, sorry, it's not, this was actually a test. Mm, no, you didn't pass the test. <laughs> so now you can go take review these videos that are here. To help you be a do little bit Do they have more to review the videos? It's recommended. Okay. Yeah, it's very much recommended. So we do that. We do campaigns. We have posters around our campuses about cybersecurity, what it means, about phishing emails, about being safe on the internet, about, you know, being positive and, and using your resources in the good way, not using your resources to, to harm anything. Cyberbullying, all that Some of, bullying, right. that's Some out of
0: the there. things I, I hear also from teachers is you're giving us all of this hardware, right, with all this latest technology, but then mm-hmm. when we want to go out and use this app that I found mm-hmm. on some random thing that I was looking at at 2 o'clock in the morning, they don't understand why the district is saying you can't use that. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, the answer, honestly, is because it's not part of that curricular plan on mm-hmm. how we're wanting to do that. And that curricular plan is connected, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. to all of the technology software things that y'all are saying, yes, you can use that. No, you can't. Because mm-hmm. if not, it's basically
1: just like opening the doors to all of those attackers. You're exactly right. The other thing that typically that free software does is ask for data. okay? And the data that that free software takes um, could be data that could be used in a way that maybe is not... Um, a positive way for the district. They may be using that data that you get for that free software to build more advertisements, to Mm -hmm. do marketing. And they may anonymize some of that data and put it out there, but they don't have your permission to do it. So I'm going to give an example. Uh, Kahoot. Yeah. Kahoot is is used fairly often in Mm -hmm.
0: classrooms, right? It Mm -hmm. requires kids to use their own device, Mm -hmm. right? So it says, hey, we're going to do Kahoot. I'm not really sure 100% how it works, but they pull out their phone. Mm -hmm. Maybe they do a QR code, and mm-hmm. then they are doing some type of survey, mm-hmm. something. Yes. So, again, <laughs> so is that something a district has to approve, or is that something, yes?
1: If you're collecting any, if if any business or in application, Cahoot, whatever, Kahoot, is collecting any data from that school district, from uh-huh. those students, yes, it needs to be approved. It needs to be approved not only for... Um, Use on the network because we don't know on our network what path it's taking to get that data and to send that data back and forth. We don't know where they're putting that data. We don't know because where the that kids data is could being be stored. logged onto
0: the network. Or they could be logged onto their own. I think that's the mm-hmm. other thing. Kids are like, but I'm on my own data.
1: Yeah, you're on your own data plan, but you're giving out your information or you're giving as out data as a student. And the other thing is, if you, if you really read some of those um, T's and C's for those uh, those terms and conditions for those applications, <laughs> um, it'll say if the student the student has to be 13 or older or if they're below 13, ah. you have to have parental permission to do that. So there's... There's a lot of information in those um, agreements that we call them click agreements. You Mm -hmm. have to be very careful about click agreements because a click agreement, you really don't know what you're clicking on.
0: But at the same time, we also don't want to hinder any innovation that Mm -hmm. the educators are trying to bring in, Exactly right, as well. So what is the model that you use for your educators? I'm assuming you have an instructional technology group that says, this is what we want to provide.
1: This is Mm -hmm. the type of technology we want to use in the classroom. So technology services has a philosophy of we don't want to say N-O, but we need to K-N-O-W what you're doing. Looky there. The more there. We know what you're okay. doing, the better we can support you and how you're going to use this product in your instructional environment. And we have a very close relationship with our tech instructional technology department. Mm-hmm. So the good thing is we're all on the same page, but that's because we've worked together for so long and we've sort of learned to talk the same talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and walk the same walk. And that's sometimes what we struggle in K-12 is you've got your silos of your technology hardware people and your technology software people. And if you can bring those together and have them work together on a daily minute basis on what's happening with the instructional side, it helps the and. In- Physical technology people understand more what the virtual or the instructional technology people Okay, are doing. so I was
0: going to say, so the software side is really the instructional <laughs> technology. The yeah. hardware side is your database managers, mm-hmm. things like that.
1: All your physical And devices. now this
0: year we're adding that whole safety and security mm-hmm. side as
1: well, where exactly. we're, we're also bringing in now all your security directors yeah. to come in and so work. So security directors, get your technology people involved. I mean, it's... Um, we're here to help you. Like I said, we want to know, know what you're doing so mm-hmm. that we can help protect not only what we do on our wires and cable and all that, but we want to protect what you're doing to make sure the school is safe and that it can function when needed. Once you push that button, we need to make sure that communication right. is there. And it's going to travel over our wires. Mm-hmm.
0: So, Todd, I think, you know, as a state agency, we're also very aware that over 60% of our districts are rural. And so they may not even have an IT hardware person or an IT software person or even a safety director. So what are some of the the things that you're seeing that districts are doing well in in the realm of cybersecurity without all of those people? right? Because we have well, to, to, that to touch have... on what
2: uh, Karen was saying before we get off of that, just even the applications themselves, like, you know, the, the security of the applications that are being used mm-hmm. in your environment, they vary greatly on you know, how they're developed, especially if you're installing that on your devices. Mm-hmm. You know, the things that it's doing in the background, the things it's doing with the data, that they do that vastly differently between the different companies. And uh, especially in the education space, there's a lot of things that aren't really that great and and secure mm. in the way they're handling your data. And so really evaluating those and keeping those, um, you know, understanding what's g- going to happen with your data before you actually start using those is one of the things that you need to do. That's the K-N-N-O, that you need to All know right. what's going on with that. Um, as far as a resource for that, Region 16 has a great, on their website, okay. they have a toolbox that... Okay. that um, great. They've re- researched some of the T's and C's on there and they've posted like things that are good and things that are bad. Maybe things you should you know, read for yourself and decide if you want to do that. They've got a whole list of those on there. Um, but to your question again, yeah, there's the, the smaller districts, you know, like you said, they don't they might not even have a full. Exactly. You know, I, I've I've talked to more than one. That, you know, where the technical director used to be a teacher that then became you know, involved in technology. And then, right. you know, through the years, like, someone left and they couldn't fill the position. So, like, hey, you're the person that <laughs> needs to do this. You're technology director. You know computers. Yeah. You know computers. Uh, so, you need to get in there and start, you know, you're, right. you're, you're a guy or gal. And so, you know... Th- and not disparaging any, though they're doing a great job. The ones that I've met, you know, they're, they're fabulous, right. but you know, they just don't have that wealth of experience, you know, in technology that someone that, you know, sure. uh, at a bigger district could hire someone specifically that knows exactly what, mm-hmm. you know, all the ins and outs of that. And so struggling with that. And then the staff that they might incorporate, I know there's ones that, you know, they drive bus during the morning and then sure. they help, you know, you know, distribute Chromebooks mm-hmm. and things during the day. And so, you know, they, they just don't know what they don't know. And, um, you know, there's, there's challenges there. Like I said, they're doing great. You know, we're you know we're reaching out, trying to educate them and or resource for them in any way uh, as that goes. And you know, um, I think you know, there's there's different groups like you know, Tiedal that Karen's a member of and others,
1: T- which is what Texas Education Technology Leaders. Okay.
2: Yeah, and then others that are trying to promote and you know and encourage them in, in that fashion as well. And so uh, getting involved in those and in the regions are always a great support. Uh, they you know they. Um, you know, in every aspect, you know, like as, as I'm learning, learning more and more what the regions do, uh, you know, they'll instruct, you know, if a new librarian comes on, they'll, you know, they'll right. help her get up to speed mm-hmm. or him up to speed. Um, same with technology. If, if there's a new person at technology, they'll help them, you know, with their, you know, firewalls, anything, you know, if, if they've uh, utilized the services of the region. So the regions are a great resource. Are um, there for the smaller regions well. that
0: provide some of the network act like Larger, if you don't have that in your yeah, definitely. I think they all.
2: um, This is part of the stuff that I'm Mm -hmm. just recently kind of found out. Yeah, they they have different Mm -hmm. services that they provide depending on what your need is, and so so you can call them up and they can come configure your firewall if you you know you need if you need an application that's not working right and something's getting blocked, Uh they can come help you troubleshoot that and figure that
1: out. The regional service centers have a lot of wealth of information. Um, They a lot of the regional service centers are actually a hub for their internet services for their school districts Mm -hmm. that are connected to them and then they provide support so uh, uh, quite a few of the regional service centers in texas actually provide the firewall and content filtering for their districts so um, i would highly recommend that um, if this is something that you're not familiar with and not sure who to reach out to reach out to your regional service center and ask you know do you know uh, who my you know what i what i'm doing in my district or Um, I've often recommended that if the district, if you can't, you know, we're lucky to have CISOs and and certified um, cyber technology specialists, but if you don't grow your own. Find right. somebody that's willing to take the risk to go out there, and mm-hmm. the risk I'm going to say is just learning, <laughs> and you got to have the time to learn. Sure. But if you find somebody that's interested in that, grow your own. Send them to your service centers for training. Uh, Todd offers a monthly um, cybersecurity webinar for public educators for all of our security contacts to mm-hmm. be a part of, and. He provides a lot of information out there. There's organizations like Tidal, the one that Todd, that I'm a member of, that we're very active in Mm -hmm. a lot of the cybersecurity stuff. And some of your vendor partners will help you as well. Sure, understand what you mean. Yes, and they're very good. And there, a lot of information is free out there on the internet. Mm -hmm. You just have to know, get you know, find your peers and say, you know, what are you doing? How did you find this out? how is it affecting you how did you go get training those kind of things you don't have to have a certification to work with cybersecurity uh, you have to have the you have to have the willingness of time understanding and patients. Right. <laughs> well,
0: and I know that a lot of times, you know, there's a lot of great ideas. Let's just talk about student safety on where they're at. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that we hear a lot about, and I'm going to actually move it to transportation, right? Mm-hmm. So the transportation of knowing when your kid gets on a bus, mm-hmm. the route that they're on, and when they get off the bus. Is that something that y'all mm-hmm. have? We do that
1: in Cypher. Okay.
0: Least. So obviously there's some software and hardware mm-hmm. involved in that. It is. And, and so what what are those conversations so when a when a director right so it could mm-hmm. be a transportation director it could be a child nutrition director it could mm-hmm. so we're not just talking necessarily about teachers and principals exactly. it's across the board mm-hmm. what where do you want to be in that conversation obviously you want to be in there from the beginning mm-hmm. but what are the types of questions that they need to make sure that they're asking for those For those different softwares because there's a multitude of them out there and so sometimes districts are like look this is our end this is what we're wanting to do Mm -hmm. but we don't necessarily know which one is the best one how do we vet these different types of softwares that are we're wanting to provide that next level of security right
1: i first of all definitely get your technology services people or your technology person involved at the very beginning um because sometimes if it's a smaller district they may not know what questions to ask, but the exactly. more that they hear what's happening, that'll start throwing up some, oh, well, I wonder, the last person I worked with, this is the way we did it, are you doing it this way? The other thing I would do is definitely use your connections. So um, if you're looking, if this is new to you and you're looking at different softwares out there for those different um, applications that are available to attract students, um, ask the vendor that's recommending that mm-hmm. to you to give you references and that you call and talk to the technology services people about how they manage that application. And what they do with that applications, and then um, of course I would rely on your service centers. Call the larger districts. One of the things that people think is because we're a larger district, we don't have the same problems that small districts have. Well, I'm telling you, we do. We <laughs> it's just ours is on 118,000 student right. scale. Where if you're in a small but you're district, you're still dealing
0: with fifth graders. Yeah, sixth graders, you're fifth ninth graders, graders, you're
1: dealing with data security. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with connectivity. We're all we're all facing the same challenges, just on right. larger and smaller scales. So even, you know, reach out to a larger district that's using the same product. And a lot of times your larger districts are probably going to break it more than your smaller districts because <laughs> uh, because mm-hmm. of the capacity that we use right, it.
0: the sheer number. But
1: I would definitely always have that technology person involved. Um, and no question is a dumb question. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it is. And even if you don't know and things pop up, ask. Always and, ask.
0: And I'm assuming as well... We also need our community relations person or somebody talking to the parents. Because I also know that parents are very concerned about Mm -hmm. who all has access to all of their kids' data. I mean, I know when I worked at a district, that was one of the concerns is, Mm -hmm. well, if somebody's following my kid, that also means someone's following my kid. And so, you know, what's that level of
1: security and privacy that we have for that? So um, there is a data privacy agreement that um, vendors should be signing with your district, large or small. And that data privacy agreement basically stipulates to those vendors, this is how you're going to treat my data. This is These are the parameters of where you can put my data. This is the only part of my data you can have. Um, and it's basically holding the security side of them getting your data and how they're going to secure it. If they can't answer those questions, that throws up red flags. Um, that's where we have to be very careful about the smaller companies. Mm-hmm. We've actually had companies tell us, "Sorry, I can't sign this agreement because I'm not, I'm, I don't have enough money to have a legal counsel to help me fight it." I'm like, "Well, <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> if you can't sign this agreement, then exactly. we can't use your software because we've got, you know, we've got little bitty kids that exactly. they don't even even understand what social security number means, and you're getting their information and you're going to have it for the rest of their life, even mm-hmm. though." We say it's going to be deleted and all that stuff. But you're going to have that information for the rest of that child's life. Mm -hmm. And we need to make sure you're protecting it because these are our kids. So that's what those data privacy agreements will do for you. It's that other level of protection that really has nothing to do with the technical, technical. It's more practices that that company's putting in place. So even TIDL, we've got a data privacy agreement that we offer for schools to use across the state. And um, a lot of times when companies come in, like your transportation um, tracking s- software, they'll just say, we need this data in your student information system. We'll just give them a data dump. Hmm. And they'll give them anything to the kid's birthday, wow. to the address that they're in, you know, uh, what city they were born in, all of that. But they don't need all of that. They
0: don't need it. Absolutely. They just need
1: certain things. And that data privacy agreement, has a form in it that says, What data am I giving you? What data do you need? Well this is the only data I'm giving you.
0: You could also just give them a number, right? You like could.
1: Selena Bly's
0: number yeah. four yeah, four five. Yeah. You don't even have like, to use yeah. that yeah. Type We don't of
1: stuff. even use social security numbers. If right. you use right. social security numbers, ooh, then we do need <laughs> to have a talk. All right.
0: If you're using social security <laughs> numbers, minute, please, please like, call Karen. <laughs> <social security laughs> no. I mean
1: it's but that's sometimes the but you know, I think that's one when they dump that
0: data they don't think we're talking about it's not necessarily about the iPad that we're giving the kids. It's really Would you say cybersecurity affects every single department and even maintenance?
1: maintenance. If Uh, it plugs into power, it's going to connect to the Uh, network.
2: Target had a major breach from a HVAC uh, Ah. HVAC Mm -hmm. vendor that, you know, had a default password, I think it was, or mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. on a system that got compromised, and that's they had a ransomware, a you know, a data breach incident, mm-hmm. or through a through AC vendor. So it, it involves every aspect. Yep.
0: So let's go to that really quickly. What is a cyber attack, and what are the types that districts encounter?
2: So there's uh, there's there's a, there's a lot of stuff on that. Um, you know, DDoS attack. I don't know if we've talked about mm-hmm. that. A d- distributed Indeed. distributed denial of service. So there's denial of service, which is. You know, one person, one computer sending a flood of information to try to clog up a network. Uh, distributed denial of services, many, many, many computers. So they'll use a botnet, uh, botnet being, like, you know, compromised computers. And bot, that,
0: is that an acronym?
2: No, just okay. a robot. So a nice like, you know, okay. just like, Double you know. Yeah, so, so, you know, these <laughs> these threat actors can uh, take over computers that you'll never, you know, home users, different okay. things, organizations. And they'll plant some software on there. and They'll use those to send out spam, phishing emails. They'll use those to, to do distributed uh, denial of service attacks. So they'll send in large packets and different information mm-hmm. that's going to, like, basically clog down a network. It could even buffer overrun a server so it mm-hmm. crashes and, you know. Wow. So you should lose access to things. So that's, that's very common. I mean, you can go on the dark web and and buy a uh, bought, DDoS, DDoS as a service. Most of these are as a service these days. It's just like you can you know do anything else in the cloud, and you know there's there's bad guys okay. that are setting these things up, and they can buy one for five bucks a day and like do a DDoS attack on a on, on each a, district on or a target. Something. Yeah, okay. so
1: that commonly happens during state testing.
2: Yeah, I think really? I think DDoS attacks are one of the things that's probably pretty common. That are so you getting that ready it's for that? Possibly <laughs> yes, student. We do. You know, student. The student uh-huh. is the threat yeah. actor there. Yeah. Um, they hire it. I mean, there's phishing emails too. You know, we're all uh-huh. you know, a phishing and the human aspect of and phishing is like you know, well, phishing in general is like eighty some percent of mm-hmm. breaches. You know, start with the phishing email and and there's a vendor that uh, EDR and point detection response, which mm-hmm. is kind of next generation firewall or antivirus. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, one of the vendors had a report and they were talking about that uh, more than seventy percent of of the attacks these days, the last year, didn't even have, like, a malicious file. It was, like, more phishing and more credential-based, mm. you know, attacks. Mm-hmm. And So, I mean, there's malicious files as well, things sure. that, you know, people get you to click on and open. Um, again, kind of related with phishing. Uh, there, there's a of thing. Vulnerabilities, you know, like there's, you know, people, you know, what public-facing websites that we have. Um, there's things that you log into. You know, there's applications. There's there's programs behind that that are running that server, mm-hmm. and they have vulnerabilities. You know, there's things that pop up that uh, you know someone's found a way to tweak this login or inject some code or do a SQL injection. SQL is, oh man, um, standard query language, yes, I think. And yeah. so, like, it's basically a database. I thought it was a word. A database. <laughs> um, a database feature, and so you can you can inject some a uh, uh, SQL. Um, command in like okay. a login field mm-hmm. and you can get elevated access to a system there. So there's those vulnerabilities if they aren't patched, you know, those right. those are exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, many, so there's many, many ways. There's to many attack, ways. Remote is. desktop is yes. a huge one if it's there's there's publicly all on There's different of the, ways to get your networks. The, you know, you know another
1: but what's way the way to best?
0: To, Okay, so then what's the best way to mitigate that? Training, I mean, uh, training awareness. D- what about dual login well, or dual m-
2: no. factor Yeah, so the, the, if that is one of the top of the it things is, that that can enough. help with that, or at least you know the human aspect, so the phishing aspect. Um, human like,
0: aspect means train,
1: train your people awareness, train awareness. Your
2: awareness. Well, you know, even if you train all your people, there's still that two percent <laughs> that will click on any link and put their credentials in. <laughs> it's like answering like it that all that the time
1: call that you know the the soliciting calls that you get. Uh-huh. That's like a phishing attack. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They just yeah. answer the call. I'm like, why didn't you call me? And
2: so, yeah, MFA is a really, multi-factor authentication is a great okay. way. For, you know, you should, we should all, should, all should be doing that on emails. I think mm-hmm. Microsoft, Google. Like, on
1: emails?
0: Mm, mm-hmm.
2: Specifically okay. emails, because you know, that's, that's the first place they're going to attack. So if you yeah. if you answer a phishing email and put in your credentials, they're going to try to like, oh, yeah, me see how where they so log in with, with their email. So
0: thing work with an email? I'm, I'm not, maybe, I, maybe I'm already doing also, it and I don't know what it is.
2: So can. like, you know, you, you set it up on your phone or you can have various okay. methods. You can have a little little key that you plug in your computer. But anytime you actually log in, like you do at your bank. right? So like once you log into your bank, you know, no matter where you're at, it's going to send a code to your phone, either text or through an app that you have to verify that it was you that, that sent that. And, and so if they don't it. have that, you know, so if they just got your username and password and they get, they get to that point, they're not going to have that code.
0: I'm aware with it with different applications, right? Mm-hmm. Like when we're going into it. But you mentioned email. That's also one that districts can set
1: up because you said that's what 90 Yeah, email should
2: like all have included an MFA option. So like, okay. you know, whether what it is know, at no cost.
1: That? No, that's something they're getting into. It's, okay. It's still, it's still that awareness to your technology, whoever's managing your technology systems. Um, it's getting easier than it used to be. MFA to implement it, only MFA because it, if it's ninety percent, right? If that's what you're saying, if ninety yeah. percent of our attacks are on
0: this email, mm-hmm. then MFA maybe be might be an option. I
2: mean, it's not the end all be all. No. There's ways around it. Sure. There's ways to like you know um, social engineer into someone into mm-hmm. giving them you know yeah. those credentials so that you can still bypass that. Right. But it, but it's just like leaving your front door unlocked when you leave the house. Like you know it's it's a huge step into like mm-hmm. you know. Um, and another thing that I was going to mention earlier and just uh the different things we've been talking about mm-hmm. is with MFA especially is one of those things. Without like administrative buy-in on that, it's really hard to get that pushed in your environment in your district. Because and
0: that's a whole, I'm assuming, training.
2: It's a whole training, it's a whole pushback. Like I don't want to have to put stuff on, on something on my personal phone. Like, you know, ah. you know, like there's the, the headache of like I'm gonna have to do this every time I log in. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily the, the reality. You can set conditional access. So you mm-hmm. know if you don't change locations, it's not going to do it. But but having the administrative support of that, you know, and just cyber security in general, if you don't have that support, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of pushback. And like, you know, and when you try to implement something without that support,
1: like it's just, it's just going to fall on its face. So
0: do y'all do that to where an employee then would have to log on into their cell phone and then do that? Do you all do that? So we've
1: started implementing that. um, And the reason we've done that is because of phishing emails. So you have to remember, a phishing email is probably going to ask you for a username and password. Mm -hmm. uh, If it's really serious, it's going to say, oh, this is so-and-so at the technology services, has nothing to do with Cipher. Or it's just going to be password reset. It's going to look exactly
2: like your Microsoft Mm -hmm. or Google password Mm -hmm. reset page.
1: And you click on it, type in your username and password. Well, it goes to... Whom, whatever. Whomever the, it is. Yeah. the attacker. And then they try to log in. So what MFA does for your email is says, oh, you're logging in from this IP address. That's not what I have authority to grant you right to. So I'm going to send you a message that says, is this really you? Mm-hmm. And that's what MFA does for your email. Um, that's, that's a great protection to have. Um, it's just getting to where Microsoft is helping implement that more than they used to. Mm-hmm. They're uh, they're really pushing it for school districts to use. If you're using Outlook, um, I think it's almost almost uh, becoming uh, mandatory. Yes, right now, and yeah. Google is using it. So mm-hmm. even today, if you have a personal Google account and you go log into another computer, if you've got your privacy and security set where it should be, when you log into that other device, even though you've logged in over here, you're going to get that. It's going to say, "Click on your Google page or something mm-hmm. to ensure this is you." Mm-hmm. So that's what MFA does for your email. A lot of people don't think that email is um um email probably is the it's the most used technological service you have in your district. Hmm. If you ever just ask somebody for the statistics of your email that you get, how many emails you send and receive on a daily basis, it's it'll just blow you away.
2: But that that username and password is not just email. Uh, it's, that's it's that's, that's your world on right. the right. network. But they, so they get if they it have from that, the email. Then you have lots of So, so one of the things
0: that you mentioned earlier um when we were talking
1: this morning, was that y'all don't give students email addresses. Um, we The district decided that years ago. And um, we've got communication internally. We've got ways for students. Students have their username and password that they can log in into. If they log into a, a Chromebook, it looks like an email address because that's the way Google uh, designed their logins. So it appears that there's an email, but there's not. Um, years ago, back in the... Um, I guess 1990s and early 2000s, E-Rate would discount um, email. It was, you could mm-hmm. apply for an E-Rate discount if you did email for your students. So some districts actually started using emails for students and they continue. Some only use email for students at the secondary level because of college and applications uh-huh. and not elementary level. Yeah. Um, so if you provide email for your students, that's even another level of security that you have to have. So in you place. don't have to. You no. can set
0: up a whole nother system where it's only internal. It's and internal. those should really only be the only people communicating with your students. That you right? would hope.
1: Yes. And, and that so that whole
2: concept of mm-hmm. that is is reducing your threat landscape. Exactly. And that so is. just like you know not having all these applications, not having things that are public facing, mm-hmm. shutting down ports on your router or your firewall that's not mm-hmm. being used. So you're just reducing the, the tax surface of, of things that can be vulnerable and things that can be compromised. So that's that's a great right. step in doing that.
1: And I, I do want to go back to what Todd said about your email. The username and password for your email is typically your network username and password. Yeah. So the one thing that um, I I explained to some of my staff, I guess, a couple of years ago, I said the one thing you have to remember is um, for public education, everything we do is public. Our right. budgets are public. Our fund balance is public. Our payroll is public. And that's public, public around the world, public, not public just the United States. Mm-hmm. So if if they come in and get your username and password for your email, they have a username and password for your network. If they have a username and password for your network, think about the financial impact right. that you're about to make on the district that you that you've clicked that phishing email from. And I said they're looking at your fund balance and they think, oh, this district has two million dollars fund balance, they can afford. $600,000 to give us, try to get ransomware from. Mm-hmm. So why don't I try to hit that district to get that money? From? Right.
2: And, uh, and along that lines, too, like all that public information, there's exactly. a whole other threat landscape or mm-hmm. threat vector of the social engineering aspect of like you know they know that you've issued a bond and that yes. it was passed for mm. this millions of dollars to build this building. So they're getting a lot and more so, savvy, and so so they can attack the business office. And that's happened in Texas right. more than once, unfortunately. That they've redirected a, a payment on a on a construction project for that you know it was millions of dollars.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, so there's so, lot that information being out there, like just totally. Exactly. Is, so let's uh, say
0: I'm a I'm a school district administrator, and I get the. The email. I don't even know how I would be notified. Um, but you know, do you pay the ransom?
2: Do you Todd? pay the ransom? <laughs> uh, i holding
0: up your payroll.
2: That is a great question, and that's something well, where would that- I
0: go? Who would I contact? Like, if I get that, what what's the first step? Do I contact the police? Do I contact the technology director? Like, so, what? like
2: if you walk in in the morning and you see this note and no one can log in on your computers, then uh, yeah, call anyone you can. Um, <laughs> You can call me. That's fine. Uh, DIR is a great resource as well. Okay. But yes, definitely call. And and before that point, really, you should, the, the biggest thing and one of the, the next biggest things on the list there is incident response, mm-hmm. which is, yep. is that. Uh, in these awesome. situations, you need to have a plan. Uh, an incident response plan is going to be. Uh, outside of your network, to an yes. extent, because you, if your if computer's locked up, you, you won't you won't have email, exactly. you, you won't have your file system, you won't sure. have any access to these things that you've saved, and you just typically just go in there and probably won't work. <laughs> you might not be able to unlock your doors to even get in the building mm-hmm. because those are all controlled as well. And but uh, you know, the FBI should be on the top of the list. Um, you know, the fusion centers, the field offices mm-hmm. around the state, they can help you out. Uh, you know. Us DIR, you know, mm-hmm. they, you're, if you have a security vendor that you know the region, mm-hmm. if they're providing you security services, definitely give them a call. Uh, but at that point, like, there's, if they're still spreading, you might be able to stop the spread. You could go and you know, um, Compag- shut down, unplugged. shut down physical switches and that sort of thing. Uh, As far as for forensic purposes, you don't necessarily want to turn off the device if there's an Mm -hmm. aspect you want to figure out, you know, what happened. Because sometimes if you turn the device off, things that are in memory uh, will go away. That could be, you know, crucial in determining that. So the the guttural response is just going to shut everything down to stop it. But that's not necessarily, you know, if you can disconnect the network, that's probably the best um, first step solution. Is there a
0: switch where you just disconnect the network? <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. If you have the right access. <laughs> if you can get in the data center with, uh, with all yeah. the card readers and stuff down, uh-huh. then yes, um, that's possible. But yeah. uh, And then...
0: I mean, I think that's right. Like, that's that biggest scare, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think you also Crowds. mentioned you need to plan for that. Mm-hmm. And so what are our security measures to prevent yeah, and, that? and then also and then, in
2: the incident response, you know, you, you should have talked about how much mm-hmm. ransom can we pay? Like mm. and so there's the whole you know gambit. Personally, like I I do not like the idea of paying the ransom, mm-hmm. just because it perpetuates the whole mm-hmm. problem. Yeah. But there's situations where um, <sighs> paying the ransom can keep the the, the data that they've exfiltrated because these days every ransomware mm-hmm. in the last since the last two or three years they've. Downloaded data from your environment, Mm -hmm. and they're using that in more and more bad ways now because Mm -hmm. people are maybe tending not to pay the ransom, and so Mm -hmm. they're getting more and more desperate. Like there was some things last week where they're releasing PII from students, like handwritten notes about things that have happened, you know, that they've collected when they downloaded this stuff. Like trying to exploit the children to get you to pay the ransom. Mm -hmm. So determining, you know, one. Is it worth it? Like, do you have insurance? Sure. Do you know, like, what what was your threshold? Because in the in the heat of the moment, you're you're going to be desperate, and emotions going to be involved, and you just want to get back. There's the pressure from Which outside. Is why you should have that. So plan having that plan and then stepping beforehand. that out, and then like you know who, what, when, where, um, what are you going to do? Who you're going to call? Like, mm-hmm. who's your your helpline?
0: And we actually train on that. Yeah, so
2: right on. So same same right thing now. with like physical security. Having that that same right. thing with uh, cyber and security. And practice it.
1: Don't just develop it, but practice. Yeah, absolutely. Practice that incident response plan. Walk in the door. We've had an attack this morning. (coughs) What are we doing? You know, because, yes, Mm -hmm. because I think a
0: lot of districts are thinking of the drills uh and they're not
1: thinking of to drill a cybersecurity. You you have to. I, I, I recommend that you've got to drill that cybersecurity attack, because even in the plan, in in the heat of the moment you're going to think you're following the plan but you're going to look down if you've not practiced it if you've mm-hmm. not if you really don't know when we're down and out and it's 0 to 7 and you're on the 1 yard line and you got to make the pass who do you really need to make right. do you really always throw it to that person or do you look at your landscape and figure out at this heat of the moment, no, it's not Todd. I need to call it you because right. of the incident that just yeah. happened. Well, that there's could the change whole
2: it. Uh, that you might not even think about. Like, you exactly. know, with the ransomware, if you, you know, you if the tabletops are great, I, mm-hmm. I know that's number one, the best mm-hmm. way to, to, to go through that. It's yeah. like, because, you know, you're going to have a communications team that's, you know, Absolutely. that's going to talk to reporters because they're going to be exactly. there. Like, you know, you can't go to school and why are the kids, you know, going to school and, and why? What's, I heard what's of a happening? district
0: that got uh, ransom, uh, an attack and they were, uh, doing all of the seniors' grades. Mm-hmm. And so it was right at that time when they needed it for college applications. Yeah. Which yeah. I was like, that is clever. So I think they are getting a lot more mm-hmm. clever. Well they're
2: very op- optimistic and yeah. but also clever too. And and the backups and, and so just mm-hmm. the, the tabletops can help you make sure mm-hmm. that you know and mm-hmm. test them, fully tested, like that you can bring mm-hmm. something back up because if you're not going to pay the ransom mm-hmm. you're going to have to restore stuff. And so do you have a way to do that? And then they're they're very crafty because mm-hmm. I've heard a story too about uh, you know, there's cloud backups that are immutable, which means, mm-hmm. you know, they can't be changed. Mm-hmm. But this one particular instance, uh, instance, a threat actor got into that. They, they waited uh-huh. around. Uh-huh. They got into that online backup. They deleted them and changed the uh, wow. the retention period. Mm-hmm. So, like, there was no way to, like, remove it. They, like, yeah. changed their accounts and different things. Yeah. I think they were still able to maybe re- restore a little bit of that one back. But it, they're very crafty. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, they're highly motivated because this is a business. You know, again, sure. just like the, the DDoS, you know, as a service, ransomware as a service. So, there's different ones, different ransomware variants mm-hmm. that have been created by different people and there's people that are administrating and collecting the fees, the ones that are actually, you know, mm-hmm. f- fishing you and getting you, you know. Uh, and then the person that created it gets a bigger cut of that whole deal. So, like, it's yeah. it's a whole business model. Well, they have the, data centers. Like, it's a, sure. you know, it's a legitimate, you know,
0: job you uh, in some of these countries. But you also said something that I didn't think about. You said insurance. So, mm-hmm. just when districts do their hazard analysis, obviously, you don't need hurricane flooding insurance in El Paso. Mm-hmm. But is that something that more and more districts are getting? Mm-hmm. Is cybersecurity insurance? Yes.
2: Uh, yes. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of them had it. You know, like if TASB, one of the Texas Association mm-hmm. School Boards, had a mm-hmm. had a default policy if you're a member. And I think there was you mm-hmm. know for half the districts in the state were members of TASB. And I know in recently recent times, it used to be like a cash cow, you know, uh, industry. You know, as mm-hmm. far as cybersecurity insurance mm-hmm. goes, but. In the last few years, they've been losing their hat on that a lot, and so they
0: and
2: and so they've really been cracking down to continue uh, to get coverage. That you have Mm -hmm. your minimum standards, you have things in place, MFA. That you know you're Mm -hmm. training your people, you're doing this and that, and so they are definitely tightening down on that as far as that goes. But yeah, insurance is great as far even if it's not paying the ransom, just recovery. To help sure. to help the cost of like it's getting someone same to come cycle in, as, yeah, as
0: emergency paying operation paying yeah, uh,
2: for you know credit monitoring if mm-hmm. like you have a bunch of data that goes out and you need to pay credit, credit monitoring credit. for a year or so that's expensive, right. um, and so mm-hmm. you know insurance can cover that.
1: It's it's um, you know you would have never, I would say ten years ago even you wouldn't have thought we would be where we are today with cyber crimes and with with um, securing our our resources. Um, mm-hmm. It's, we have more data. This is a public, this is going to go out to the world. It is. And they already know it. But we probably have more data on kids than any other institution in the world. Sure. I mean, it's like Todd was saying, if they get into our network, they get everything about that child. So we've got to protect it. Every And think about it, everything. Mm -hmm. Notes that have been written and scanned in. Everything. And it may that take job. years
2: before anyone ever realizes. Exactly. So if, mm-hmm. if they don't, if it's not a ransomware inc- incident mm-hmm. and, you know, there's, there's the, uh, the time that threat actors are in the environment before they're realized, mm-hmm. the average is like six months. Wow, and yeah. so like you know, there's different tools that can definitely can detect that faster. But you know, it's you know a lot of lead time. And so mm-hmm. like if they're just wanting to extract information, you know, they might not know it until it the kid while. turns 18 and tries to get some credit. You know, right. and, and all of a sudden and they've got all this breached. stuff.
1: And we have a, we have staff information. You think about sure. all the staff information we have. I mean, we know all your insurance. We Retirement. Know, you know reti- how many years till mean, I retire? Yeah, we know all that stuff. So it's um, we're not. We're not just zeros. We don't teach reading math anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So you take a school district the size of Cy Fair, we have a police department, we have health, we have nutrition, we have facilities, we have, um, we are a city. Mm -hmm. We are everything that has to do with a city and probably more because now we have to protect kids. Right. So we are the whole function of a city. So when you're doing an incident response plan, you need to cover the whole city for the in- incident response plan. Your health, your data, your network, mm-hmm. everything needs to be a part of that incident response plan. Um, and I think in the past, you know, we, we they siloed about them. technology. I yeah. think they've forgotten about yeah. it. We right. siloed it. So instead of siloing it, mm-hmm. let's bring it all together. If you have an effective incident response plan in your district, you're going to cover the whole gamut. You're not right. just going to focus on one certain silo for your incident response. What advice...
0: Would you give to a school district, and I'm going to say a school district with 1,200 students, okay. um, to improve their cybersecurity plan? What's the number one thing? And Todd, I'm going to ask you the
1: same thing. So the number one thing for a small school district is um, know your environment.
0: What does that mean? Uh, You say know Your no. Know what what you
1: have. Know what tools you have in place. Mm -hmm. Look at the tools that you have in
0: place, and that can be everything from your hardware and your facilities to what are the teachers using. Exactly.
1: To know that, um, and then train, train, become an awareness, develop a culture of safety, whether it's cybersecurity safety, whether it's building safety, Mm -hmm. but they're all under one umbrella but develop a culture of how do we keep, how do we protect? Mm -hmm. You know, ask your question, how are we protecting this? How are we protecting that? And um, don't don't ever stop asking questions. Mm -hmm. You know, go to your peers, go to your regional service centers, go to your vendor partners. What are we doing? Where are we at? You don't have to be perfect, but look at your cybersecurity plan or put a plan together Mm -hmm. and protect your crown jewels. Start with something simple that you can be successful at. Mm-hmm. Start where you can... Don't try to eat the elephant in one bite. What do you need to protect first? Put your committee together. This is not it's an not individual one person person person's either. responsibility. Correct. And I think sometimes that's where it overwhelms us as we think, oh, it's just Karen that has to do all this. But it's really not. Right. It's, it's that culture that you develop. So put a group, put your committee together. How are you develop committees and say... This is what we need to do. This is where we're at. Good, bad, indifferent, whatever. But where do we need to go next? How do we get there? And and it's okay. Just eat that elephant a bite at a time. Mm-hmm. Don't try to do the. Don't try to have the whole thing done at one time. And um, uh, just methodical. Just move slow and methodical. Do what you can do. And the what you're going to realize is the more that you do, the easier it gets. Mm-hmm. And the more and the easier it gets to figure out how you can fund it um because the first thing we think is, no, I can't afford that, but really, you're doing some things already that you can apply to mm-hmm. that you can say, "I've got this in place, so I guess it's don't get overwhelmed, you know, don't think you have to do it all at one time, okay. but just take a methodical step about it and and ask questions and see where you need to be we're all we are all at a different levels, sure. so. You know,
0: as every district is, like you said, each district is different. And
1: what you want to be able to do is when something happens is be able to look and say, we've done everything we know to do right now Mm -hmm. and we're doing everything we can. And if you can look and say that, then you're doing what you can do.
2: Todd? Uh, Yeah, I agree 100%. I think the top of the list is what Karen started out as knowing what's in your environment. So there's Mm -hmm. there's tools around that you can. Utilized to maybe look at all your public-facing websites to see what kind of mm-hmm. you know servers have been set up. So if, if you might come into that role and you haven't been in there historically, there's a lot of stuff that you might not even sure. know about. And so mm-hmm. knowing what you have, you can't protect what you don't have, don't know. Mm-hmm. And so knowing what that is is uh, is great. And then you know there's. Some high level stuff that you can do, like MFA is one. Having an instant mm-hmm. response, making sure your backups are uh, mm-hmm. secure and working, and that you know uh, offline again a, a format so that you know in the case of a ransomware, right, you know that they're going to be available because they're going to look and try to, to try to do that. I've seen where they've waited around for you mm-hmm. know weeks and months to um, take care <laughs> of those, so that you know that's the whole motivation there. And then there's lots of free resources out there exactly. too. There's things from the federal government. There's things you know. There's different. There's um, CISA, the the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Services Agency. Do we provide training Security with? Agency. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and then there's uh, MSISAC, which is a multi-state information sharing analysis center. So that's mm. more of a function that the organization is CIS Security. And they have some free things like MDBR is a, is a basically just DNS filtering. I don't know. Um, it, it's DNS. DNS uh, domain name uh, okay. services. So like, you know, you type in Google in your browser, okay. like the... The Internet doesn't function by going that name. It Mm -hmm. translates that to an IP address. And so where that IP address lives is the domain name services. You know, it routes you to that. And so um, known phishing things that are, you know, URL or a link that comes through. And if it's phishing, uh, if it doesn't resolve that to an IP address, it can't get there. So these Ah. things just, like, Mm -hmm. stop that. It's not the end-all and be-all, but it's a great way to, you know, it's a great thing to do. And it's free. You can get that free through um, MSISAC. And so... Another one is in the realm of knowing what's in your environment is so CISA offers a cyber hygiene service, nice. and so they will publicly scan every week your public-facing things that you're aware of, mm. so you need to know what you're, mm-hmm. you have in your environment mm-hmm. first, so you got to start there. But once you know that, you can sign up for a list of that, and they'll... You know, it publicly scans, like, your websites that are publicly facing mm-hmm. anything in your IP ranges. And so uh, if you have a remote desktop, you know, RDP client that's out okay. there and listening on the Internet, uh, it'll make you aware of that. That's a bad thing, by the way. <laughs> uh, and uh, it should be behind a gateway or something because they can just password spray that and, and without a whole lot of uh, visibility internally. but. It'll do that and send you a weekly report and you can like, you know, hey, I need to send this patch on the server or this or that and the other, um, you know, it gives you some visibility in what's going on and it's free. It's a free service. It's great. Sure, it's great. Uh, and there's lots of free things out there. And like I said, MFA, setting that up, you know, kind of a, a mm-hmm. stopgap on your email. Like that's the number one place where it's going to be needed. Um, and then, you know, reaching out again, asking questions, reaching right. out to peers, getting involved in other organizations, mm-hmm. what are they doing in their environments? Um, if you can get some sort of pen test, if there's something from, like, a regional level. I know a lot of them provide right. some services like that you mm-hmm. really give you a look of, you know, an overall look at your environment and mm-hmm. things that, you know, they'll find stuff that you might sure. not even be aware of, too. Yeah. If you can afford something well, like that. test it and drill it, like kind yeah, of what we've exactly.
0: talked about, which is, you know, what mm-hmm. we do normally with our with our facilities mm-hmm. and, and yeah. that. But it's the same thing because what happens when, Exactly. you know. Um yeah. And And then I think, and then also, we also really push that after action review. Mm -hmm. So once you find out, you know, my gosh, five of these teachers all clicked on it. Mm -hmm. Well, then what? Yeah. You know, what then? Does that mean we need to continue our training? Do Mm -hmm. you know, what does all of that mean so that it doesn't continue to just perpetuate the same issue that we have? And I really
2: like the idea of the training not being like a once a year training Mm -hmm. scenario. Like it's an ongoing thing. You know, you're, you're educating Mm -hmm. them just like, you know, you don't talk about school safety. You know, once just, a year, an uh, you end. know, and then <laughs> that's <laughs> it, and no one talks about it again. Like, mm-hmm. this is be it should be an ongoing thing. You know, teachers mm-hmm. all the time, you know, they'll, they'll have passwords laying around and students compromise that because <laughs> it's just laying around. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the idea and the and the and the, um, you know, concept of the, of this whole holistic approach, you know, we right. need to talk about that. So everyone's concerned and about the kids their are smart. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. have
0: teenagers and they will, when the password changes at the high school, I mean, that's mm-hmm. the first thing they're more apt to try to figure mm-hmm. out what the password is. For the new password, then exactly. you know, setting for a test.
2: I listened to this, uh, you know, it's another podcast, but it's specifically cybersecurity related to called Dark Knight Diaries. Mm-hmm. It's really good, and they explained okay. a lot of concepts. And like half the people that are on there did it and started when they were like 14, 15 yes. years there old, go. like took down major mm-hmm. corporations and all this stuff when they were sure. kids. So kids are super, oh. super crafty.
1: I, I wasn't joking. You got, you know, we look at our district, and when we went one to one, I was like, <laughs> That's 118,000 hackers we got to, yeah. you yeah. know, we're going to have challenges with. And not, like I said, a lot of times it's not on purpose. It's sure. just because they do what they do. What know. They do. Mm-hmm. They're just kids. Now, some of them are, but the majority of them are. Now,
0: do y'all, when you're doing your training with students, um, you know, one of the things that we obviously uh, train on is if you see something, say something. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of being incorporated inside? Like, if you see what what does that look like from a cybersecurity? The kids are telling each other. What are they saying? Like, what are they uh, telling? Well,
1: them? did you know that they got that they clicked on the network and they saw this spreadsheet and it had this in it? Ah, I'm, I'm telling you, okay. it's it's really interesting. If especially if it was Is not that on not purpose, super
0: scary. For
1: you. <laughs> I'd be like, what? Well, we have them right now. Um, our our one-to-one devices strictly go to the cloud, okay. so they don't have access to our to our internal network as far as um, where our data center is. But um, it depends on the devices you're running and what all resources. But those are you all things that students. people need to be thinking about exactly. beforehand, right? Like yes. it's
0: not just hey, let's give them mm-hmm. on the same access yes. as our
1: finance. Your ne- exactly, <laughs> your network design needs to be different. I mean, you've got to you truly almost with students. Really, you almost want to have two separate networks for them to connect to and get their resources through. Um, same thing with your wireless network. You want to make sure that your wireless network is secured enough to where if they're not an authenticated device on your network, that they have a total different path to go to right. to get to resources instead of getting to your data center network. So a lot of that's network design and, and what you're implementing. when you Whether you're doing it new or you're restructuring or you're, um, you know, uh, at deploying new technologies because you're replacing old technologies. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that's just thinking the process through of where that road takes you. Mm-hmm. When they plug in or when they connect wireless, what path is it going to take? And what all do they have to go through to get to their primary usage path? Mm-hmm. Um, so, Do
0: y'all allow students,
1: if they don't use your device. Can they bring
0: their mm-hmm. own? We have, but a, then they have to log on to something different.
1: They log on to what's called our BYOT SSID, which then directs them out <laughs> and to. Tell me what that is. It's bring <laughs> your, your own, own technology. technology. We called it BYOT. SSID is like the it's Wi-Fi scary. name. Uh, basically. Okay. Yeah. it's kind of like so they can't the, get onto the school and mm, they have their they, own. They go out just directly to the mm-hmm. internet and get to the internet resources, and then that's restricted based on our content filter. Sure. So um, yeah, we've got. So you've got your your. A network for your authenticated district-owned devices, and then you've got a network for guests or bring-your-own-technology devices, and then we have a network for the Internet of Things devices. Those are devices that what we call are headless. That means they don't have a monitor and a keyboard sure. to it, They're and just, they connect to—and usually those devices are our HVAC controls. They're—something uh, is, is, a, is a diabetes cameras. monitor— um, our well our cameras we actually cameras. put because we control those and manage okay. those so those go in a different uh, and they're wired they're not necessarily wireless
0: so our safety directors we need to make sure um, if they're not BFFs with Best friends forever. Exactly. For doing the acronyms. um, With their IT directors. That's something that they they really need to, especially with all of the new, probably mandates that are coming down. I would, yes. I would say safety and security is touching more and more with IT, now more than ever.
1: The planning needs to be hand in hand. In fact, we just met uh, about a month ago with our safety and security. The two grants that were out for Mm -hmm. safety and security to apply for for the emergency response Mm -hmm. buttons and Mm -hmm. the other monitoring, we were a part of that initial grant conversation. Right. And we're helping them plan and asking about software and what they were doing. So um, it's very important that that you include those folks in it. You may not be talking the same language right now, but the more you work together, the more the language, a lot of the language becomes very familiar on both sides about what the responsibilities are. That only
0: helps everybody.
1: It, it's. We've got to get out of our silos. Absolutely. And we got out of the silo with instruction. That took some time. Now we've got to get out of the silos with um, facilities and safety and security.
0: And adding cybersecurity to that. Exactly. Awesome. That's right. Well, do you have anything else to add?
1: Uh,
2: you just maybe think of something specifically with ransomware, like, uh-huh. you know, getting out of our silo, but then also just <laughs> ransomware, like getting out of the shame. Yeah. Of there, there's a big shame of like getting hit with ransomware and not wanting to tell anybody or sharing information. You know, I've heard help. that. They're that like, they don't help tell anybody. us what they did
0: wrong, so we don't know how. Exactly, to prevent that like on our if own. there was
2: a school incident, like you know, you sure. need to know the safety things and what mm-hmm. happened, so that other people can look in their environment and Absolutely. know you know how to protect themselves. And so. I think sharing that information. There's there's reporting requirements for that, mm-hmm. um, that doesn't happen a lot of times. I think a lot of these are underreported. You know, statistically, ransomware has gone up, but I think it's gone up way more than than it actually been has reported. been reported. Because right. there's a yeah. lot of that that, you know, you find out later. Like, oh, this 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 <laughs> district had some ransomware. Well, they I didn't know about Nobody this. Knows. They were supposed right. to tell me. Uh, and then uh, just trying to obfuscate that to be not ransomware. Like I'm there was sure. there was a big article. Uh, on Minneapolis school district that uh, called it an encryption event, and you know, and, and like they described the whole thing, and that was one of the had like uh, a handwritten document about mm-hmm. students, you know, right. in, the, in the in the extortion ransom. part of that, the yeah. ransom. But you know, they they didn't want to call it a ransomware event. And, so, and
0: also, let's not forget law enforcement, right? Exactly. Like yeah. any of this, like mm-hmm. this isn't something also that is just specific to school districts. Mm-hmm. So it's not like. It's everybody. Everybody is. We're all it's, on our phones. We're, I mean, we're doing all of there's this. There's major
2: so. corporations that have been victim to this, yeah. and they have like highly paid, sophisticated security things. So like,
0: but law enforcement as well, Department of Homeland Security, mm-hmm. CISA, yes, all of there are groups. They all also work together. They're to all trying us to make sure. So if something like that happens, know that you can contact the Fusion Center. You yeah, can contact yeah. the FBI. You and, can. And CISA has
2: been uh, recently has been great about. Given us uh, mm-hmm. some pre ransomware threat intelligence, and yes. so we've we've right. actually been able to I think stop ransomware in a few school districts mm-hmm. in the last six months um, because right. of that information. So if they didn't have other information that was shared with them, mm-hmm. I, I think they, their they in, their know. intel wouldn't have been as good. And yeah. so I think exactly. sharing that, being open about that, is,
0: is Or a this really is what we're thing. seeing exactly. in, the, yeah. in the
1: landscape in the digital landscape. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things that we try to do in our uh, Tidal organization is mm-hmm. uh, we get together and share lessons learned. Uh, whether it's good, bad or ugly, you know we talk about well we this this is one place we looked, but we didn't look deep enough um so we we learn from each other that's one thing that I do appreciate about the technology world, which it's k twelve in general, but we're all we're all willing to share, we're all willing to give we're all willing to to figure out what well it didn't work here so what's what's working for your school district or mm-hmm. what are you doing to make it work so um i I just organizations reach out to organizations you're whether alone. you're large or small you Make are a friend definitely find it find a friend phone a friend you know <laughs> absolutely i like mean it's law enforcement law enforcement yeah. as
2: well so yeah. like if you if you come to that you know mm-hmm. monday absolutely. morning you walk in you know who to call and you have a relationship there and yeah and
0: yeah. they do know i mean i know we you know we serve law enforcement as mm-hmm. well and they are absolutely aware of mm-hmm. the things that are going on as to too. Exactly. And so ha- that's part of that multidisciplinary mm-hmm. stakeholders in our safety and security committees is we yes. want multiple people to be able to say at those safety committees, mm-hmm. hey, IT, did you know that this is going on? Exactly. And that is really the gist of that law is mm-hmm. it shouldn't just be Todd, it Mm-mm. shouldn't just be Selena, Karen, mm-hmm. regarding whatever silo yes. you're in, it's going to have to take everybody knowing all of the different dots that are out there to see if they connect.
1: So when you're making your checklist, that's one of the things that we've started doing Um is that does the checklist say, have you involved these mm-hmm. organizations? And I think for cybersecurity, that was one thing that Um, I can say probably four years ago, we would have never really thought to get facilities involved. It's just because of where we are today. Mm -hmm. But four or five years ago, if you were ahead, yes, you got them involved. But if you're a mid-sized district, then you probably thought, well, we can do this, we can bring facilities in later. But they really need to be a part of the initial, they need to be a part of all the tabletops. They need to be a part of everything that you're doing for your facilities, your uh, security, uh, whoever owns your security response Plan for your district, Mm -hmm. the physical security side.
0: Well, and I think a lot of places, you know, we always talk about the budget and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff, but it's really important also to ensure that you have your finance person involved as well. Exactly, yes. So, because a safety director or a transportation director can, you know, find out, go to a conference and find Mm -hmm. out about all of these great things. But there is a cost, obviously. And I know, um, you know, cameras are a perfect Mm -hmm. example. Where are you going to house the data for Mm -hmm. the cameras? Who has access to it? So that's, you know, that's the whole, you know, the hardware part Mm -hmm. and then the software. Mm -hmm. But then also, how often do those cameras need to be replaced? Exactly. How often do you have to pay every year for that software update? Mm -hmm. Is that money in your budget? And so it really does touch all aspects of that school district. And I know maybe it's me because I'm a former finance person, but it was like, did y'all think about, did we Mm -hmm. ask? You know, so you're thinking of a three-year contract, but what does that mean? If we buy 500 cameras, Mm -hmm. how long are those cameras going to last? What's the software? Is it every year? You know, so it's not Mm -hmm. just that first initial cost, but is it all of that as well? And it
1: doesn't put you in a funding silo by yourself. Absolutely. Because you have to think about everything that it takes to fund this. And if you try to fund it on your own, it does get expensive. But if you can combine all of your resources together, that funding may not be, it may not be so bad if you know that you've already got some of these other Mm -hmm. items in place that you need to help. And you combine that funding and that funding can help you be a little bit more successful. Well,
0: and what I think it does is it helps the posture of the entire district Mm -hmm. and everybody actually knows what that posture is right Mm -hmm. and so they obviously only have one pot of money but if Mm -hmm. they're saying this is what we're going to work toward Mm -hmm. that's something that you can also easily communicate with your community you Mm -hmm. know we don't have 80 $80 million Mm dollars so but we do have this and this is how we're going to work toward that to to improve and
2: then yeah just bring that up to you know maybe your administration you know especially Mm -hmm. a smaller district you know they if they have a plan and they ask for it like communicate what you need um, uh-huh. so that, mm-hmm. you know, they are aware that, you know, maybe that's not an issue, but I right. feel like it probably is. Well, and I think that they a lot don't of know the, what they need to be, you know, road mm-hmm. uh, mapping for down sure. the road.
0: And yeah. I think the other thing is, I know just we hear a lot of times, you know, people getting frustrated because they say IT won't let them. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a, I'm. obviously touched a her. But what I'm saying yeah. is, but it's not that you're saying no, uh-uh. but you might also have a Better a different mm-hmm. product and it may not have all the bells and whistles that they're wanting but mm-hmm. it's going to keep the data safe exactly. and that's not something and I think that that that's also something that we do need to do a better job of communicating mm-hmm. with our teachers and with our students you know mm-hmm. um, we're going to use this one because this one keeps our data safe. That exactly. other one doesn't. Exactly. And that's yeah. the why. And so explaining the why and not just, mm-hmm. you know, you can't have that software. Yeah. Um, the same reason
2: you're checking outside doors. There's a reason why mm-hmm. we're not allowing you know, this or that or the other. There's some issue
1: there that's... Uh, and, and your technology services may already have a solution deployed, yeah. but they're not using all Absolutely. the resources. Or they may
0: not even know it at that campus. Exactly. I think yeah. that's the other thing, too, is one campus is using something. They've mm-hmm. bought this software. It's working. And then, you know, as a school district, you don't want, how many campuses do you have? We've
1: got uh, ninety. You don't want 90 different
0: softwares at 90 different <laughs> yeah. campuses, yeah. right? And so, obviously, also from a financial mm-hmm. perspective, you're going to want to make sure that you're getting the most bang for your buck for mm-hmm. providing one or five. Yeah.
1: And, and, so. that's, and that's some things that we find out in larger districts is sometimes we're using resources that we already have, and we know it has the capability to add additional um, I guess, uh, resources to it. And then you've got this other department that goes out and finds a totally different solution, but they're doing the same thing. Absolutely. So, you know, yes. so that's where, you know, trying to break down those And silos we find really that also works. in
0: safety and security, yes. you know, like there's this software that they have to report to, and then they're mm-hmm. using this over here and then they're doing, and they're all kind of doing the same. Mm-hmm. And what that can also, um, amount to is fatigue on the user, exactly. on our teachers. They're Like I'm supposed to report this to How five different, different ways And a lot of times when we're doing our operationalizing technical assistance, it's that the different groups didn't realize that they were all doing those different things. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of our generally our main recommendation. Can we consolidate that into one or two?
1: And then that affects your funding. That gives you more funds to do what you do with. Absolutely. That's right.
0: All right. Well, anything else? Cybersecurity.
1: Alert
2: we could keep talking so. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's,
2: right,
0: that's right. well thank you for being here and I am assuming but if anybody has any questions comments or concerns they can always reach out exactly. to you Absolutely. and they'll find that information yeah. on the website yes, awesome alright right. thanks for being here at the learning lab thank,
1: thank you. you for inviting us thanks so much